Hi, I'm Janet Silver and welcome to Road Chats. Canada is changing and so are the sectors that support it. On Road Chats, presented by National Energy Equipment, we are taking a deep dive into what Canada's most prominent fuel and convenience companies are doing amidst the pandemic, how they are innovating to be sustainable. And we'll be speaking with sector experts to get some crystal ball predictions. Get ready to hear how our fuel and convenience sector is making waves on Road Chats. Sonia Savage has served as Alberta's energy minister for over three years. Prior to her taking her seat at the cabinet table, she worked in the energy environment sector, including the Canadian Energy Pipeline Association, Enbridge Northern Gateway Pipeline Project. Minister Savage, welcome to Road Chats. And Minister, you've been an advocate for the oil and gas industry for years. The industry has undergone a lot of changes, as you know, this year, especially as it's gone through a bit of an oil boom. Do you expect the boom to continue? Well, yes, because I think uh, what what we see is uh, demand building up for oil. We One thing that we know for certain is that the world is going to continue to use oil and gas for many decades, even as we transition to lower forms of energy, we're going to continue to need oil and gas. And there's been a shortage of supply, and especially a shortage of supply with the need to weed out Russian barrels off of the market. So uh, I see a very positive and bright future for both oil and natural gas as we look to the future. And especially in, in Alberta, we're, we're taking such huge steps and our industry is taking steps to lower emissions, particularly with the Pathways Initiative to get to net zero with our six largest oil sands producers representing 95% of production in the oil sands moving to net zero. So I, I do see a very promising future ahead. I want to pick up, you just mentioned about Russia. I'm wondering, with regards to the war in Ukraine, how much has that impacted Alberta's oil and gas sector? Well, I think it's made the world notice us. It's made the world notice that uh, we're moving to lower emissions. We're, we're moving to net zero in the oil sands. And that's because the world is looking for alternate sources of supply, particularly in the United States. They want uh, energy security. They're wanting to know that the supplier of their energy comes from a stable and secure democratic nation that isn't going to use oil and gas revenues to weaponize energy. So I think it's put the world on notice that we sit on top of the third largest reserves in the planet and that our oil and gas sector are responsible producers moving towards net zero. One of the problems for the oil and gas sector in the past has been with regards to export capacity. And I'm wondering, as we talk about the production increasing, particularly with what's going on with Ukraine, does Alberta have the export capacity to meet those demands? Well, I guess there's two parts to the question. One is on oil and one is on natural gas. And I'll start with oil. We're actually sitting in a not bad place right now with export capacity for oil being in service, coming into service in a year or so. And we've got some additional capacity in existing pipelines. We've got pipeline optimization projects. So we're we're in a good place to bring on another 800 to a million barrels a day of production and find that capacity to bring it to market. In the longer run, we are going to need to increase uh, export capacity for oil. But one of the tragedies that's unfolding right now and what it's really disappointing is the lack of ability to get natural gas 
to European markets because of lack of pipeline capacity. And at one point, we had 18 natural gas LNG proposals, export proposals on the books. We only have one under construction right now, um, whereas the United States has eight operational. Right now, we are struggling to get export capacity for natural gas at a time when Europe is starved of natural gas and is heading into a very long, cold winter and looking for supply. So that's a tragedy. And uh, I think we we can look back to the last 10 years to see how that unfolded, learn from those mistakes and make sure that we uh, that we do find a way to get more natural gas pipelines to coastal tidewater built. How do we do that? Uh, You know, I know there's a lot of politics involved, but how do we do that so that Canada can play a role when it comes to those exports? Well, I think uh, the, the main thing is we have to get governments, particularly Ottawa, the federal government, out of the way of business. Like We, we heard just recently when uh, the German chancellor was in Canada meeting with the prime minister, and the prime minister suggested that there was no business case for LNG and to get natural gas to Europe. Well, that's what we need out of the way. We need politics out of the way. Let business decide if there's a business case for getting natural gas to market. And if there is, and when there is, and whenever there's a pipeline proposal comes forward, governments need to get 100% behind that proposal. So I think the main thing is get politics out of the way, let the business decide whether there's a business case, and let regulators decide whether it can be done safely. Speaking of politics, Minister, in May, you and Premier Kenny appeared before the U.S. Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources in Washington. I watched that committee hearing. Premier Kenny told the committee that he was surprised the U.S. did not look north when they needed to increase their fossil fuel supply. And I'm wondering, since those meetings and you've met with U.S. officials Have you been able to change those minds that officials and the administration in the United States look north when they need to increase their supply, their imports of those goods, of those fossil fuels? Well, absolutely. We've had that remarkable work underway since May. And in fact, the U.S. ambassador, uh, Ambassador Cohen, came to Canada and came and visited and toured the oil sands along with the Canadian ambassador to the United States, Ambassador Hillman. And he, he saw firsthand the progress made in the oil sands on emissions reduction. He saw firsthand the remarkable work and their commitment to the environment. And he went back to the United States to tell that story. And in fact, he tweeted out uh, some positive remarks about the need for increased energy security between the United States and Canada. So that was probably in the last decade of observing U.S.-Canada relations and getting more product to market, that was one of the most significant moments. I'm back to the United States later in, uh, back to Washington, D.C., later in September to talk to industry leaders and officials and policymakers and regulators and have a roundtable on energy security, Canada-U.S. energy security. So that work continues underway. But I think that you know, I think there is a realization in the United States that they're going to continue to need oil and gas. They're going to need to continue to need uh, imports of oil, and that it would be more prudent to rely upon those imports from their closest friend and ally and neighbor, Canada. We just need to tone down some of the political rhetoric and let the market, market and business case move forward. 
And we need to be able to open that space to have a conversation after the KXL pipeline uh, was that we need to find room and have open space to open that conversation and to say, we need to relook at this. We need to look at ways and means to cooperate more, whatever that looks like. But uh, yeah, I do see a, a softening of the tourists in the United States. Minister, you've spoken a couple of times in this interview so far. You've raised about the environment and the reduction of GHG emissions. I guess this is a bit twofold. Do you think that there still needs to be a lot of education done that most Canadians maybe don't understand just how much has been done? And then maybe a little bit in terms of what has been the biggest thing that has been done thus far to try to reduce those emissions? There definitely needs to be uh, to be more communication, and not just in Canada, uh, but in the United States, and as well in Europe. I just returned from Norway this week, uh, where I was over at ONS uh, Stavanger, which is the largest energy show in Europe. Over 61,000 people attended the conference from 82 countries, and I was able to represent Alberta as part of a larger Canadian delegation led by Minister Seamus O'Regan. And uh, what, what I noticed is, is Europe did not necessarily understand the oil sands. Um, they didn't know that many of the stakeholders I spoke to and businesses and thought leaders were not aware that the oil sands was on a pathway to net zero, that the Pathways Initiative was moving emissions in production to net zero. They weren't aware of that. Um, in the United States, there, there's also a lack of awareness. It's increasing with a lot of ad campaigns we've been doing down there and a lot of advocacy and a lot of the work that's being done by James Rajat, our uh, representative in Washington. But we need to continue that and we need to actually increase it, particularly over in Europe. What I've you know, learned and understood over in Europe, is that's where a lot of the conversation starts. That's where a lot of the the energy future conversation starts and where a lot of the awareness happens, it starts in Europe. And if they don't understand the remarkable uh, progress that Alberta, Canada have made on emissions reduction and producing energy responsibly, we have to do more over there. As part of that conversation includes what Alberta is doing in terms of carbon capture storage? It absolutely did. I presented in a panel on Alberta's approach to CCUS hydrogen production and to lowering emissions. But in CC, there was a huge part of that conference uh, looking at carbon capture. And what I also noticed is our Alberta companies are leaders in the area. They've developed the innovation and the technology. They've, uh, they've proven the technology. And we're moving forward ahead of almost anywhere in the world in CCUS and that our companies can actually set an example and, and help the world reduce emissions. So, it's, uh, yeah, there's an enormous focus on CCUS, not only to reduce emissions, but to enable hydrogen. I'm glad you mentioned hydrogen because Alberta is a real leader on hydrogen in Canada. It's not going to replace oil and gas, but do you think it will become the go-to as opposed to oil and gas now? Well, I think it's it's uh, it's a ways off. Um, we, we know that oil and gas will continue to dominate the energy mix for the next few decades, but we're also going to see hydrogen come in at a larger scale. So it's, it is an energy of the future, and we want to be part of that future. So to be, to be part of the future, we need to be leaders right now 
Um, but it will, uh, that is part of the, the plan to get to, to net zero globally is you, you can't, there is no pathway to, to net zero without hydrogen, without carbon capture and without nuclear. So, um, we do, and, and we're really proud of the work that's underway in Alberta with our industry, with, uh, our decades old commitment to carbon capture. We have the Quest project that's been in operation since 2015 capturing carbon from the uh, shell is capturing carbon from an upgrader and sequestering it in deep saline aquifers. And we also have the ACTL, the Alberta Carbon Trunk Line, which is uh, the largest CO2 pipeline in the world. We have proven projects that are underway and uh, successful. So we've set the example that the world is looking to. The world is looking to Alberta as leaders in all of these areas. And I was profoundly impressed over in, in Norway at how far ahead of the game we are in Alberta, how far ahead our companies are, and how the world is looking to Alberta to be leaders. I guess finally, Minister, you talk about the world looking towards Alberta, Canada, to be leaders in terms of energy and where you see things in the next 20, 25 years where does Alberta fit into that? Where does Canada fit into that? And what do you think will be the driver when it comes to energy? I think the starting place to that is to look at uh, energy forecasts, where energy in the future is projected to come from. And you can look at a number one, uh, you know, International Energy Agency, a number of the big uh, global major companies have energy forecasts. Uh, Energy Information Agency out of the United States. We even do our own with the National Energy Board, the Canadian Energy Regulator in Canada. That's the starting place. What forms of energy are going to be used in the future? And then we can look to be, how can we be suppliers of that energy? And that's where we have such a remarkable future ahead of us in Alberta, because we can not only produce and provide the lowest carbon oil and natural gas, but we were also looking at uh, attracting investment in hydrogen through CCUS, through through um, geothermal, to critical and rare earth minerals. We have such an opportunity if we can create the right investment climate with predictability and certainty, stability, political stability, to attract that investment to Alberta. And we are so on the cusp of doing that in Alberta. We just have to continue with the progress that we've We've made, and I'll just make one one point that's maybe a little partisan and political. The one thing that could put all of that at risk is the proposed Sovereignty Act. Um, nothing out there could speak investors more like a piece of legislation that says governments don't have to follow the law or court decisions or judgments. The governments will have the ability to just violate and step aside and throw aside the rule of law. Other than that, I think we're on the cusp of some major investments in Alberta and being part of the energy future. Minister Sonia Savage, Alberta's energy minister, thank you for joining us today on Road Chats. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen and subscribe to Road Chats presented by National Energy Equipment anywhere you find your podcasts. Until next time.